You are now listening to The Unit Report. Listen as we take a deep dive into the world of sports centered around Pittsburgh. Now, your hosts, Lucas and Troy. Welcome to this year's edition of The Unit Report. I am Lucas here with Troy. Uh, and in case you're wondering, we haven't done an episode since, since September 15th. Uh, you might have thought that we died or something. We didn't. Uh, Troy did lose, uh, I'd say, about 30, 40 pounds since then, which round of applause. We're very proud of him for that. And uh, since then, I've lost my mind. Uh, no weight. I've not lost any weight, but I have lost my mind. I, uh, I, I'm insane now. And um, you guys will be able to echo that throughout the uh, episode. You'll be able to see, oh, he's really lost it. Wow. He's going to literally, we should call help. We should really get help for him. But uh, the trade deadline happened. So that was a good dose of serotonin. Uh, Troy, are you ready to talk about that? Or do you have anything you'd like to start with as well? Um, not really, I guess, for uh, since we want some positives with me, some positives for you. You now have a uh, your, your own uh, recording studio, which is your parents' basement. So congratulations for that. I am actually on the second floor. Thank you very much. But uh, uh, thank you. It is it is really nice to have this uh, gray-walled uh, studio up here. Uh, I got my chocolate milk mug. I'm obviously uh, mentally ill, as you can tell. But uh, we're having we're having fun with it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good time. It is a good time. And you, congratulations! In a few months, uh, you will be a registered commercial pilot, and you will be have a you have a bachelor's degree. So you, there's good things happening for you too. Yeah, one one could only hope. I mean, yeah, the something is near. Something might happen. The end, of, the, the end of school is near, but you know. Yes. New yes. chapter, same book. Yes, but we. Good. We'll continue to record the podcast uh, even whenever he's taking his commercial flights. Um, he'll be at 35,000 and he'll just take his uh, pilot helmet off and then put on his uh, podcasting helmet and we'll uh, we'll just record from there and we'll hear him bitch about Bob Nutting at 35,000 feet. Is that is that that'll work, right? No, well, I was going to say I don't even have to take my headset off. I'll just transmit it over like the ATC frequency because I don't really think they'll care. I don't I think we could get more insight that way. Yeah, well, like whenever you fly over different places, like you'll be flying over Denver, we'll start talking about the Broncos or the Colorado Avalanche. You know, we'll make it topical to where you are. And I can track your flight because, you know, I'm a creep. So, um, yeah, it's a really good idea. And we're going to try to continue this in all seriousness. I would like to get to doing this more often, at least more often than than once every six months, um, because I do enjoy it. But if there's ever a time to do a podcast, it's today, which we are. 25 hours post trade deadline and there are still some things we don't know there was a trade between the vegas golden knights and anaheim ducks that is up in the air right now as the main player going from vegas to anaheim evgeny dadnoff had a no trade list and anaheim was on it but a apparently they vegas golden knights didn't know or like they didn't get his trade list no trade list whenever he was traded from ottawa so there's a lot of confusion in that regard but we do have a lot of deals that are set in stone that we can talk about a lot of winners and losers of the trade deadline and i think we should just go in chronological order we'll try to go through these quick because there was a lot a lot that happened but we'll try to hit the big ones um and the first one i want to start with and i want to get your reaction on and then i'll give you my reaction is mark andre fleury uh, he goes from the Chicago Blackhawks to the Minnesota Wild for a conditional second round pick that can turn into a first round pick 
if Minnesota makes it to the Western Conference final and Flurry wins four or more of the games within the first two rounds. Uh, what are you, what's your reaction on that one, Flurry to Minnesota? Um, I think it's good for him. You almost feel kind of feel bad for the guy because I feel like ever since he's le- he's uh, left Vegas, he's always been like one of those players where it's like, are they going to move him? Because I heard like Pittsburgh was in the hunt, but I feel like that's just because he was he played here for so long. And then he ends up going to Minnesota. Good for him because they're definitely a cup contender. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess not. I guess regarding Chicago in general, I'm surprised that they – you wonder how much longer they're going to want to keep, like, Kane and those guys around. Because that's like the 20 – what was it, 2010 team? Uh, like it, the cup winning yeah. team. 12, and 10, you, you 13, think, 15. Yeah, like I don't, he can't be that young anymore. So I'm surprised that uh, they didn't try to move him around in exchange for some draft picks or for some young talent or something. Because what Chicago has right now is not working. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's nice to see Flurry at least go get a shot at another cup. But uh, yeah, I don't, I'm kind of surprised they didn't move any more big names out of there just given the current situation they're in and it doesn't look like anything's going to be changing in the near future for them. So. Yeah, there were rumblings. I heard uh, with like the week or two leading up to the deadline that Kane, that there were teams asking about Patrick Kane who has two years left the rest of this year. And then all of next season left on his deal as well as Jonathan Taze. But the name that kept coming up was Kane and there were teams interested. Uh, The one I can think of off the top were the New York Rangers and they obviously have the prospects to make that kind of deal, but uh, that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on going into next season. Uh, Kane has a still a lot left in the tank. That guy still produces a ton of points He's a great playmaker on the wing. Taze, I still, I, I mean, he's overpaid now. He's definitely fell off a lot more compared to Kane, but he also has had a lot of health issues and whatnot. So I think you're definitely on the right track saying that there's a chance that one of those guys gets moved. I think the more likely one is Kane because of how much value he has. Uh, but we'll definitely keep an eye on that moving forward. And on the Minnesota side of things, Flurry uh, is going to be an upgrade on the goaltending they had. They were rolling with Kim Talbot and Capo Kakinen. Uh, but Kakinen got traded uh, after they acquired Flurry to San Jose. We'll get to that deal in a little bit. And so now they have are going to roll with Talbot and Flurry as a tandem, which in my eyes is a really good goaltending tandem. It's going to be a really tough division to get out of in the playoffs because they're going they're bound to face Colorado uh, either in the first or second round. And you're going to need all the help you can get. And goaltending wasn't, like I said, their strong suit this season. But you get Flurry in there, a seasoned veteran. He can be inconsistent at times. But I think all in all, that's a good deal for Minnesota. And if they get to the second or if they get to the third round, which isn't likely, it becomes a first round pick. And Chicago doesn't have their own first round pick this year. They traded uh, that in the Seth Jones deal in the offseason uh, to Columbus. So they're going to need all the picks they can get to try to get this rebuild going, especially with how bad they've been. So good deal, I think, for both teams. Uh, and Flurry, obviously, they weren't they weren't winning anything this year. They weren't even in playoff contention, the Blackhawks. So it's good that they get him out of there. And they do right by him. Uh, from what it sounds like, it was all above board. They were they – were, talking to him throughout the process, where would you like to go and everything? Because uh, last year when we saw the Vegas situation, they treated him terribly and they threw him to the curb. Uh, So it was good that he was treated right. And I've also heard some talks about 
because his contract's done at the end of the season that he might want to end his career back in Pittsburgh and he'd probably sign like a league minimum deal or a cheap deal and be our backup. And I'm not opposed to that because anything has to be better than Casey to Smith. I thought we should have made a deal for backup in the trade deadline here, but we didn't. And now we have to do, roll with Casey to Smith. I don't know how you feel about that, but. I don't know. Cause I think Flurry's only what? 37. He's 37. I think. I think yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I mean, he's still he, – you still see him on uh, highlight reels um, from time to time. So, I don't know that he would be fully ready to accept the backup role because we're – at least now in Minnesota, it's sort of a – you can go with either or mm-hmm. because you do have him. So, I don't know if he would – I don't know. I feel like it's kind of early for him. Maybe go for like a uh, one- or two-year deal and then get, like reevaluate after that because – that's going to be the thing, though, is if he wants to go to a cup to a cup contending team, he's probably going to be the backup, or it's going to kind of be like the uh, tandem deal where it's kind of one or one or the other depending on the day. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the route he takes. Um, if he wants cups, he might go as the backup, but if he kind of wants to go out, you know, Marty Brodeur style, still being a starter, then maybe he'll go with a. Uh, kind of borderline playoff team and see if they can make anything work in the next couple of years. Yeah. And his numbers on a really bad Chicago team this year, aren't bad at all. He's at nine Oh eight, which save percentage is down this year overall and a two ninety five goals against average on 45 starts well, games played. Uh, so he's still, he's still got some left in the tank. I think you're right, but uh, we'll see if what happens in the off season with him. Uh, I think that's all for that deal. Um, a smaller one, the Capitals reacquire Marcus Johansson, who was a Penguin killer back when he was with Washington the first time, for a Daniel Sprong, former Penguin, a fourth and a sixth round pick. Not too much to talk about with that one. But the one that I think we will have the most to talk about is the Penguins acquiring Ricard Raquel from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Zach Aston Reese, Dominic Simone, Callie Klang, a goaltending prospect, and a second round pick in this year's draft. What are your initial thoughts on that? Um, not surprised to see the draft picks given up because with, uh, I guess we're still kind of, we, we still have the, uh, some of the JR trades and stuff. They're still kind of affecting us with trades and stuff. I think it was a really good move because I know they were talking about the idea of finding a top six guy because they wanted someone to play with Malkin and then they have a pretty good farm team. So I think that's where they were able to get rid of, um, Aston Reese, so that's kind of unfortunate to give a couple guys like him up, but um, I don't know. I think it's a it's going to be pretty good going forward because the Metro is really tight right now. So I think that you know the time's sort of coming to an end of the uh, Crosby and Malkin era, so they kind of got to make a push for it now, and that looks like it looks like that's what Hextall wants to do, and um, I think that's probably the putting the right foot forward with kind of the win now mentality because inevitably probably four or five years from now, we know a rebuild's coming. That's just kind of the only way this thing's going to work. So you might as well go for it now while you have the very strong farm system and see what happens. So I like it. I think it's going to be a, uh, I think he's going to fit in well here. I know they were playing the idea of getting uh, Phil Kessel out of Arizona and kind of reuniting the boys back together, but that didn't work out, but, uh, you know, a lot of things aren't working out in Arizona right now, but that's that's besides the fact. But 
I like it. I think it's going to – I think they. it was a pretty fair trade for both ends. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I – I, I, I agree. I think it's a good deal. I was on the side that did want also for us to reacquire Phil Kessel, but it seemed like a lot of people in Pittsburgh weren't pro it because they think that there was like, there was a noted, you know, disagreement between him and some of the players and members of the staff. I know him and Sully got at it sometimes, him and Malkin got on it sometimes. So there was definitely some people that weren't on board with bringing Phil back. But this is, I mean, Ricard Raquel is a good player. He's he has scored 30 goals um, two, two, uh, two times throughout his career. Um, his numbers have dropped off the past three, four seasons. But if you look at the Anaheim Ducks, as a team, they have fell off in the past four or five seasons. Um, he's about a half a, a point a game right now, 28 points in 51 games of the season. Uh, like you said, they wanted someone to put on that Malkin wing. And there was a hole, especially if you look at the injuries we have now with a Zucker being out, uh, there's been a hole on the wing that they definitely need to fill because they've been playing guys like Dayton Heinen in the top six. And that's just not a top six winger, especially not on a playoff or cup winning team. So I think Ricard Raquel has a lot of skill and that he is deal expires at the end of this year. So he's a pure rental. I do not expect him to resign. Um, he was uh, Hextall was asked about that at his presser yesterday, but he kind of like talked around it, but I'm thinking that they, they have so many other guys expiring Malkin, Latang, Rust. They're not going to worry about Ricard Raquel unless they miss out on Rust or Malkin or Latang. Uh, chances are, I think Rust leaves and then they can probably resign Malkin and Latang, but we'll see. Uh, but he brings a, he brings some experience, 28 year old veteran winger. Uh, last time we acquired a winger from the Anaheim Ducks at the trade deadline was Carl Haglin. Uh, it actually wasn't at the deadline. It was like a month or two before, but that worked out very well. The first season Haglin was here. He obviously was great on the HBK line. And then before that, it was Chris Kunitz. And we all know how well that acquisition went. So they definitely uh, have a good track record of getting guys from Anaheim. I really, I was talking to some other friends about this earlier. I really hate that we had to give up Zach Aston Reese. I'm really okay with Simone, uh, Callie Klang. We have a lot of prospect bullies. I wasn't mind about, I wasn't, upset about losing Kelly Klang second round pick. It wasn't a first, so I'm happy it's a second, but Zach Aston Reese is such a good penalty killer. He is so good defensively for a forward. I really hate having to see him go, but just to make the money work, they had to ha have him in there. Um, he, I don't really know anyone on this team who can fill his void. I mean, Bluger is obviously good, but you need more than one guy who can play defensively at the forward position and be a good penalty killer. I really hate seeing him go, but I mean, it's the cost of doing business. And they're, I think overall the team is better today than they were 26, 27 hours ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens there. Uh, and hopefully he can slot in well with that Malkin line and he'll produce. Um, anything else on that trader? Want to move on? Um, not really. I just think overall it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Penguins because of what they have. So I, that's kind of why we're at the uh, win now mentality because inevitably they're not re-signing Rust, Malkin, and Latang. It is just not happening. Um, I I don't think Malkin has lived up to. I think he's making what ten and a half, nine and a half, nine and a half. I don't think he's quite lived up to those levels, but I don't know that he's going to want to, want to take a pay cut because. Um, I heard he's also played with the idea of going over and playing for the KHL and ending it uh, here. So 
We'll see, because I know Ovechkin brought that up, but then with everything going on, I don't know how that's going to yeah. work out. But, I'll, I mean, if we're being honest, if that happened, that wouldn't be like the end of the world, because then at least you wouldn't have to play against them. But I just don't I see that happening yet. I think that's more likely. I think what you're saying uh, is I, I, I see him – I mean, this is a side note, obviously, but uh, if, I, if he does not resign, I see him going – over to Russia or just calling it a career. I don't see him on another team. Latang, I could see. Rust definitely is probably – I have a hard time seeing us re-sign Rust, and he's probably going to find some team to give him a big deal. Maybe the Flyers, honestly, because uh, they're going to have a lot of cap space this offseason and they're going to want to spend. But um, there will be teams – What do you think Rust up. makes? I mean, I think the best comparable is you look at Zach Hyman, who signed with the Edmonton Oilers this offseason – um, he's a very similar player. Russ puts up more numbers than Hyman. Um, Hyman got seven years at 5.5. You got it. I think he's looking in the six range. I'm, I was going to say six and a half, six, seven, five, maybe, but he's going to get a long-term deal because he's that same age that I think that Hyman was when he signed his deal. Uh, let me make sure. Yeah. Russ is 29. He's going to want a long-term deal. And I really have a hard time thinking that he, seeing him stay. And, and if you're the Penguins, uh, if he doesn't stay, you and you can't resign Raquel. Maybe I mean, depending on how well he plays, you better hope that Kasperi Kapanen can figure something out because he's been terrible this season, and you gave up a, a ton of assets to get him. And he is good. He's going to need to slot in that winger spot. He's going to have to move up the, the lineup and become that Brian Rust type. Like I don't know what it's. After the season, that looks a little bleak for the Penguins. They always end up figuring something out. But, I mean, with all these contracts that are due and the guys that potentially are going to be gone, it's a tough look. It is a tough look for the Penguins. I don't know how you feel, but I'm I'm not confident after this season. I think that's why they went for it. Um, I don't know, because I feel like there's always there's enough of the core that's going to be left to where I think that they'll be able to make it work because we had the exact – same thing happened after the um, last cup run where they lost a bunch of guys and we're still in the play. We're still way better than I think anyone expected us to be. So from that aspect, I think they'll be able to pull it together. I think it's whenever they finally lose um, Crosby. And then if Latang leaves, I think once you start breaking the core up, I think that's going to be it. I think if you lose one, they'll be able to get by without it. But I think it's sort of going to be the once Crosby hangs them up and, um, then they really just start kind of selling off. I think that's that's really going to be the end of it. Then I have a question for you. I have two questions, but I'll start with one. Of the three big guys that are going to be uh, unrestricted free agents at the end of the season, of Malkin, Rust, and Latang, which one are you most okay with letting go? Um, if if you have if one of them so has to go, it's probably Malkin. Really? Because I don't think I think for the money I don't think he's good enough anymore for the money he's going to make. But then I also kind of think with uh, what we said earlier, with where if he doesn't resign, he's going to want to go back to the KHL. So from that aspect, that would be kind of nice because you would be losing that almost ten mil in uh, cap space to potentially get Rust or someone again. The only other thing is, I think what losing Rust is going to hurt him the most. But then the other problem is on defense because we've always struggled defensively. And Latang is sort of, I don't know, it seems like the past couple of years he's kind of been on and off with 
uh, rather streaky with his uh, performance. So I don't know how to look at it from that perspective because if unless they can get another um, like high level defenseman to kind of I guess take his place or a couple guy a couple like mediocre guys that like possibly have potential to build up to then you can lose the tank and it won't hurt as much. I think that's kind of the problem where they're at. But I think losing um I think Rust is probably gonna be the biggest killer. Just at least short term, I think that's definitely gonna hurt him the most because they're not gonna be able to find someone to uh perform at his level at his at his current pay rate. And, you know, rightfully so, he's probably he's going to want big money and uh, he deserves it. But still, I think that's where it's going to hurt him the most is defensively. I don't know if they lose Latang, then at least they'll have the cap space to get possibly a couple guys. But the thing is, is Rust costs so little and performs so much. I think that's where it's going to hurt him the most. So if if what happens, if what you want to happen happens, which is them letting Malkin go of the three, who who do you think goes up to second line center? Do you think that they just have Carter man the duty or do you think they go out and try to get somebody? I think they'll probably go try to get somebody. Um, And then I think my guess is I don't think we'll, I don't know. I don't know that we would move Carter up. I think if they wanted to play it smart, they could possibly go get a couple guys with his salary, but they do need to go get a defenseman somewhere. So I don't know how that would work out. But I would imagine that is where they would kind of either find someone to fill in that role, see if Carter could get by with doing it for a season, and then possibly pull some guys up from Wilkes-Barre and throw them on the uh, third and fourth lines and kind of let them get uh, some experience there and then reevaluate after that. Because they do have a very strong farm system, and we've seen that in the past, especially with COVID and things because that's really pulled a lot of their guys from and it still worked out. So um, that's, that's personally, that's what I think they're going to end up doing is to either try to find a defenseman and some other guy for cheap or possibly bump Carter up and just sort of see where it goes from there and hope there's enough talent, which I think there is in Wilkes-Barre and uh, you know, kind of move forward having those guys in the uh, bottom two lines. Now, if they lose Malkin uh, and they want to look to free agency, these are the centers that are going to be available this offseason in free agency. Claude Giroux, Patrice Bergeron, which he's not, if he doesn't resign in Boston, he's retiring. Um, Giroux, Bergeron, Vincent Trocek, uh, Pittsburgh native guy. Uh, Ryan Strom, Nazem Kadri, who's having a great season. Then it kind of falls off. Getzlaff, uh Nolachari, it really falls off after that. So you're either hoping you can trade for a guy or you get lucky and a bit like you're not draft. There's no one in the system, I think, that can line up in second line center. So I, I think the most likely scenario is they re-sign Malkin and I don't think he's going to get I think he's going to take a pay cut. He knows who he is now. Like he knows he's not the guy he used to be. He's hovering around a point again. I think, do you think he would? Do you yeah, think he would take the pay cut, or do you think he would leave and go back to Russia? I think he could take a pay cut. I think he would. I, it's not not a a massive pay cut, but I think you get him to around eight. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. He's still a point a game player. Twenty five points in twenty seven games this year. You know, 
I, I don't think yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, but injuries have hurt him a lot, so that's kind of the other thing. And I also, and from I've I've heard reports that Latang is good. It would be willing to come back at a discounted rate. He's making seven two five right now. So you get him what like six and a half. Even if you get him at seven, I'm okay with that. I think the most likely situation is that those guys take small pay cuts. Rust leaves. And it, I think it's a lot easier to fill the void of Rust being gone, even though he's on that good contract. It's easier to find a top six winger than it is to find a as good a second line center as Evgeny Malkin is. But their problem is, is they're stuck between the cap. It's the same thing that happens every year. So, uh, well, well, here's the thing is that there's not a lot of guys signed for next year. Say they sign Malkin and Latang, and they save. Three million, two, two and a half, three million dollars. Uh, Rust is gone. He's as good as gone. Raquel's gone. Uh, Rodriguez probably gone because he's going to want an upgrade. Boyle gone. And then after that, defense is pretty. They're all signed to next year. DeSmith is gone. I'm not sure how much cap that leaves you with. Probably around like four, five million. And that you have to. And the biggest hole you have to fill is a top six winger because Rust will be gone. And that's the one you're talking about the farm system being strong. The one thing they have always been good at is finding Wilkes-Barre guys on the wing. There hasn't been a lot of centers that have come up other than Bluger. I can't think of many centers that have come up through the ranks and have performed and had a steady NHL position. I think they have a lot of guys on the wing down in the AHL that could come up and fill a void and perform. You look at Drew O'Connor, who's played some games. He's done really well this year. He's been up and down between Pittsburgh and uh, Wilkes-Barre. Alex Nylander, Sam Poulin, who's probably going to take a step soon. He was our last first-round pick, uh, I think back in 2018 it was. Um, Valtteri Putstinen, he played his first NHL game. He's been a, a highly touted winger. Nathan Legere, um, I feel like the best bet, and I, I'm thinking this what Hextall and Berkey are thinking, is that you can replace wingers. It's a lot harder to replace a, a center given our organization right now. We did kind of go off track. Do you have anything else you want to say with that before we go to the next trade? Um, not really. All right, let's move along. Very nice, very nice. There's a lot of small trades. I'll just talk. I'll just mention we don't have to really go in depth into it. Uh, the Oilers get Derek Broussard, former Penguin great Derek Broussard from the Flyers for a fourth-round pick. Um, Johan Larson goes from Arizona to Washington for a third next year. Uh, kind of an interesting deal. He's the guy that scored the um, cl- the conference-clinching goal for Montreal last year, Arturi Lekkinen. Uh, goes from Montreal to Colorado. I think that's a really good ad. He's a good overall winger. They trade one of their top prospects, Justin Barron, and a 2024 second for him. They think highly of him. One of the guys the Penguins were rumored to be looking at was Nick Letty of the Detroit Red Wings. He ends up going to St. Louis along with Luke Wachowski for Oscar Sunkfist, Jake Wallman, a defensive prospect, and a 2023 second. Um uh, Justin Braun goes from Philadelphia to the Rangers for a 2023 third. Brett Kulak goes from the Canadians to the Oilers for William Legison, a second and a seventh, not a ton there. Mason Appleton, who was acquired in the expansion draft from Seattle, from Winnipeg to Seattle, goes back to Winnipeg for a fourth. Um, the only other move the Penguins made yesterday was Nathan Bullieu, uh, was a defensive prospect for Montreal for a while, but he's a big guy who was on Winnipeg. They trade a conditional seventh uh, for him. So just more defensive depth for the Penguins. Not a lot to it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, San Jose got 
Capo Kakinen, the goaltender from Minnesota. Since Minnesota got flurry, they trade their a goaltender away. And a fifth for defenseman Jacob Middleton. Ba, ba, ba. Not a lot of big ones here. Andrew Cogliano uh, goes from San Jose to Colorado. So Colorado's still loading up. Uh, trying to see here. Andrew Kopp goes from Winnipeg to the Rangers for a couple second-round picks and a prospect, Morgan Barron. Not a ton of big ones, really. Max Domi, uh, he goes to Carolina from Columbus. Um, and there are some from the days before. Mark Giordano, the captain of the Seattle Kraken, goes from Seattle to Toronto, along with Colin Blackwell for two seconds and a third. Um, was there any other deal that really caught your eye here? Um, Giroux, not really. I know there were a lot of moves. I think they said this was the there were the there were more. This was the year where there were the most moves made on one single day, I think, in history. I believe that. What do you think about the Giroux deal? Giroux going from Philadelphia to Florida. Um, I mean, I I think everyone kind of saw him leaving. I know Florida. I think was kind of his number one. Uh, he played his thousandth game in Philly and then that was kind of it so that was kind of a uh, I don't know that was kind of a weird moment because you're celebrating your thousandth game and then it's the last time you'll set a foot on that ice at least for the home team so I think it's interesting um, it's very strange it still is seeing Florida at the very top because like even if you look at like five years ago they were like down there in terms of uh standings in the league so it's pretty good for them it's still kind of sad to think that like you look at like their home game attendance and it's still like pretty bad they're doing better i mean it's, they're it's, doing better. it's better than it has been but i'm just saying for being number one in the atlantic by like several games i don't know yeah there, there's a lot of teams that uh are doing a lot worse though this year like, like, it's kind of sad but att- I mean, attendance all around the league is down yeah, but then you you still have like COVID as the factor, so there that's always going to kind of be like the asterisk for the last like I guess three years. I, I think Florida and Florida did good in this deal. I think Philadelphia did terrible in this deal. They get Owen Tippett, who is a winger prospect, and then they get a 2024 first round pick. And if you're keeping track, that's three drafts from now. Because this year is the 2022, then next year is 2023. They're getting a first for three years from now. The draft pick they acquired for Claude Giroux is a 15-year-old right now. That I And then if you look around, like, if you look at the team that Philly has right now, things are bleak in Philadelphia. They do not have a good That's roster That's what I was going to say. is like they don't, have, they don't have a reason. They didn't have a reason to keep them around. I mean, they're – Yeah, but they could have got more for them is what I'm terrible. trying to say. I mean, trying to – Trying to be a little bit nicer, but yeah, it's just not good. There's nothing, really nothing firing in Philadelphia besides, you know, them at each other. But, you know, other right. than that. And, and they they signed Rasmus Ristolainen uh, to an extension, and he's awful. And there's rumors they want to trade Ivan Provorov or Travis Sanheim. To, they're two only good defensemen. They want to trade them. And if you look at all, all their forwards are overpaid crap. Kevin Hayes is making over $7 million and he's done awful this year. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk is making 7 million for the next two seasons. He hasn't produced like as well. Cam Atkinson is not that good. Like, Oh my, it is, a, it is terrible to see. Like they are not a good team right now. And I mean, it's good for us. I mean, we, we hate Philadelphia, but my goodness, I, 
things are bleak. I, I would not be happy to be a Philadelphia Flyer fan right now. I mean, I know we look at the future as Penguin fans and we're like, oh, it's going to be bad soon. But like, I, I mean, we're not in as bad of a condition as they are. They, it, it is tough to be a Flyer fan right now. It is. Um, from what it looks like right now is it looks like the uh, playoffs are mostly set for the Metro. I mean, you have Washington. It's in the number two wildcard spot, but right behind them is Columbus, and that is a 13-point difference, something like that. The East is set. The East, other than, like, seeding of, like, who, who's going where and who's playing who, the, the top eight teams in the East is set. It's going to be like you like you were talking about Carolina, New York, uh, Rangers, Pittsburgh, Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Washington, and there's a big divide. And then it's Columbus, Islanders, blah blah blah, everything else. So we're set in the East. I'm not. Who do you want? Who would you prefer the Penguins to play in the first round? The Rangers, Carolina, or Washington? God, not Washington. That just historically doesn't go very well. Um, well, they're statistically the worst one right now. They are statistically the worst, but I feel like pound for pound, they're the one that can that's going to hurt the most. Okay, then it's Carolina or the Rangers. I don't know who I'd want between those two. <laughs> I don't know. Probably a coin flip. Maybe the Rangers. But but look at their goaltending. Igor uh, Igor Shesterkin is having the best goaltending season. Yeah, I in, know. Like history. That's going to suck. Especially if Jari flops again in the first round. Yeah, but offensively, they're kind of weak. So that's where it might. They did make some deals uh, to improve that. They got uh, Frank Vetrano a a week ago. They got Andrew Kopp yesterday. See, that's the thing is like Carolina and New York and the Rangers are like the exact opposite teams. Carolina's good at everything. But goaltending for the most part. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. Well, Freddie Anderson's been really good for them this year, too. So they've had a good goaltending, actually. I just think the Rangers, and then my guess is after a couple games, they'll probably figure out some way to beat the goaltending and go with it from there. Maybe like the Tristan Jari high glove side type thing, but, you know. Yeah, so you're thinking it's going to be Pittsburgh, New York, uh, and you have us. I'm not saying – I mean, I'm not predicting them. I'm just saying I'd rather probably face New York than anybody. I don't want to face Washington as much as that hurts because I feel like they're just – it just seems like every time – even if we beat them, they just seem absolutely dead in, like, the next round after that. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. If you look at things in the West, it's a lot more interesting. Uh, The only, like, sure thing is basically Colorado, Calgary, and I guess you can probably throw Minnesota and Nashville in there too, even though I still have – trust issues with both of those teams minnesota and nashville but vegas is falling out of a spot they have four games in hand and are one point up in a wild card in the last wild card position on dallas so dallas just needs to make make up one point in four games and then vegas is out and dallas is in so vegas has really fallen off st louis is in there um edmonton la are both in playoff spots i don't know if i trust them that much it, it is such a crapshoot in the East, like compare, I mean, uh, sorry, in the West, the East is so solid and the West is so just like anyone can win. Cause it's all, they're all kind of crap other than Colorado and Calgary. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it now and it's just, it's kind of the same thing. It's very, it's very much, you have a, a couple very like powerful teams, but then it's just, I feel like this is kind of how it happens every year. I feel like, 
something like that. But I feel like this is kind of always how, how it happens, where the like the East is always like loaded, and then it always kind of ends up like this. I mean, I think it's it's weird. To but if you it. look at the spread, but I feel like it's definitely a lot easier to be a worse team in the West, though, because yeah, it's closer out there. For if you look at wild card. Like for that second spot, there's arguably like six teams in that hunt right now with Vegas. It's Vegas, Dallas, Winnipeg, Vancouver, even Anaheim, I think you could throw in there. Yeah, they're all right there. And that's kind of scary if you're like looking at it from that perspective. But uh I don't know. Even like the Pacific's pretty rough. Like if you threw them in the east, they're not even in a wild card spot. So and they're number two in the division so i don't know oh yeah you're right i didn't even like notice that speaking yeah. speaking of uh the western conference so the beloved coyotes are, have finally resolved their arena disputes after all of these years of uh saying that they might leave arizona blah 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 they have finally come up with a with a viable solution for I think it's the next three years, um, something like something they, like that. Yeah. Well, it, it's contingent on them getting a a deal of their own, like like of getting their own yes. arena. But they are now going. They are now moving yet again. From we went from Phoenix to Glendale. Now we're going from Glendale to is it Tempe? Arizona State, I think, is in Tempe. How do you say this? Tempe. It is. Okay. They are now playing. They are now going to play at the new uh, ASU, Arizona State University um, College Hockey Stadium. And I believe it seats 3,500? 5,000? Okay. I think the initial was 5,000, but it's somewhere around the 3,500. When it's that little, does it matter? Like 3,500, 5,000. Like, Jesus. Will they sell out every game? You know what? I've, I've, They'll even be nice and give them the five thousand seats. I don't think they wouldn't sell out because of like they can't get five thousand fans. I think that they might not sell out because price because there's so little seats. The prices are going to be high. You know, my besides that point, like they can get five thousand. How 000 is the fans. NHL letting this happen? Is the part I don't understand. Because the NHL, in the worst way, wants to keep a team in Arizona. And this is the only way it can happen. That's why. But, like, I don't know. Can you make the same argument for Florida? Where, like, Florida's actually doing well, and it seems like they just simply don't care. I think with Arizona, well, the, the reason that they the NHL has pushed so hard all these years to keep a team in Arizona is because of the uh, TV deals. And part of the deal is that they ESPN, NBC, all the ones uh, that had the TV deal, they need a team in that market, in the Phoenix market, in order to make it profitable. Because Phoenix is like the sixth largest city in, this, uh, in America, population-wise, six or seven, something like that. So it's a huge market. And it, I, oh, it sucks. It, it's really terrible. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine like how terrible it's going to be for the players who've worked their entire lives to get become NHL pros to play in an arena that's smaller than most of the ones that they played in junior. If you look at the capacity for the junior teams in Canada, like the London Knights, uh, the Kitchener Rangers. They're all a lot larger than what the Arizona Coyotes are going to be playing in. And they're going to lose a ton of money from it. 
because like the NHL, like the teams make most of their revenue through tickets, through gate, through people going to the games. So only having 5,000 seats. Oh man. It's, it's a tough look. I don't know how, but like I said, this is all content. The only way that this plan goes through is if the city council of Tempe approves of Arizona's arena deal to build their own arena. So once they get that approved and they start building an arena, then they can use ASUs as a temporary home for the next two, three seasons until their own arena is built. But and if that doesn't get approved, which I haven't heard if that actually got approved officially or not, then they might be on their way to Houston. I, I honestly do not know. I have to look into that. Um, see about the Tempe Arena deal. Let me see. We're buying time. Um, March 3rd, there was an article that came out that said, the vote hadn't happened yet, but this is a subscription-based website, so I can't see it. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to keep an eye on that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the renderings for the possible new arena, not the ASU one, but the one that would end up being their own arena. It looks like a very nice uh, area. It looks like they have like a little like, I don't know, like a party area outside. Kind of, It looks very similar to the T-Mobile arena set up in Las Vegas which I had the uh, honor since we've last had a podcast of visiting a game at the T-Mobile arena, a Vegas Golden night game. And it was a party. It's awesome there. And it looks like that's kind of what they're going for in these renderings. But if they, if they can't get that approved through the uh, city council and the uh, local government, then next season might be the Houston coyotes or the Kansas city coyotes. I, I feel like they've been saying it for like 10 years, but who knows? But they it's because they want a team in Arizona. They want a team that rolled bad. I mean, that's the same reason why we ended up getting a Seattle team because these TV uh, broadcasters want the big markets filled. They want Seattle. They want Phoenix. They want all those big markets filled. So we'll, we will see. Not sure where that will go, but the, the arena has always been a question in, uh, in Arizona. Um, but yeah, all in all, uh, trade deadlines passed. Teams were set. Uh, do you want to make any uh, predictions or anything, or like who, like who you want to say the winners and losers of this deadline were? Um, who do you think you did, is better today than they were yesterday? Probably. Probably the Penguins and the Panthers. Well, the Panthers made a lot of big deals, yeah. They uh, so got... the Panthers made a lot of moves. They did end up getting Giroux for nothing, and they were already at the top, so I think that's going to kind of help them pull farther apart. Um, the Penguins, just because they finally found that uh, another top six forward for losers. Um. I don't really know if anyone that's the, like – stands out to be honest with you for like i think philadelphia horrible i think philadelphia did they did it yeah but it's not like it's gonna throw them apart maybe i don't know maybe possibly vegas i would throw in there because they're kind of on the fringe of the playoffs and they didn't really bring in anything that's huge yeah yeah i can see that um, Other than that, I don't know. I feel like there were more. There are definitely more winners than losers because it seems like most of the teams that sold off, like they weren't really in it anyway. It's sort of like what Detroit did a couple years ago. 
it's funny you mentioned the Florida being a winner because I agree with you. They uh, they also got Ben Sherratt earlier in the week, which I think was an overpay. They paid a first for him uh, and a, I think a prospect as well. But if you, if you look at uh, goals four in the league, first place right now are the Florida Panthers, and they have 10 more than any other team. They have 254 first place, and they added Claude Giroux. So they are full offense, full steam ahead. They're going to be a fun team to watch moving forward. I think they did well, especially in that Giroud deal. I think they fleeced Philadelphia. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think, also did well. Colorado, who is five points up on second place in the league. They have 95 points literally at the deadline. I think they did really well. They made a lot of good depth pieces uh, like Cogliano, like Arturi Lekkonen. I like them, what they did a lot. Um, I th- and like I, st- like I said before, I think the team that did the worst was the Philadelphia Flyers. They traded their captain away, who was on an expiring deal, for a 2024 first-round pick. And that, I can't get over how bad that looks. That, that's a terrible look for a team that needs picks, they need to rebuild, and they just did awful. And one more team I want to mention before we go is I think did good was Chicago. Uh, they traded Brandon Hagel a couple of uh, days ago for two first-round picks and two younger players. I think that's a huge deal for them. They're re- recouping picks. And then also getting a conditional second, possibly a first for Flurry, I think is a great deal for them. They weren't going to re-sign him. He wasn't, he wasn't providing anything. Uh, and it, honestly, I think trading him away, they're going to do worse. And they're probably going to tank a little bit here for a better pick. Because uh, if it's top two, they keep their first round pick. But if it's anything after the top two, it goes to Columbus through the Seth Jones deal. So maybe they're trying to tank a little bit. And maybe they'll get their first round pick back and it'll defer to next year. But I think they did good a good job this deadline recouping some assets. Um, and we'll see from there. I'm sure we'll make more like playoff predictions and whatnot as it gets closer. But yeah, I think we gotta get a little bit closer to start. Um, we have to at least sell these teams fit with their new homes. So definitely and I, players and yeah, I'm I, I'd like you because you've been you're you're the baseball guy here. I'd like you to segue us into baseball and you got so, a uh, moving on to Sure. So moving on to the uh, MLB, uh, we had a yet another lockout. Gotta love it. This one was one day, one day short of 100 days. Believe it or not, Tom Brady actually retired and came back in the uh, time span that the MLB was indeed on another lockout. This is the, what, second lockout under the uh, Rob Manspread uh it's the first under the first under Manfred, but uh, second in like recent memory. I know that. Is it okay? I don't remember. Anyway, finally the debate's finally over. They got their uh, contracts and agreements and whatnot figured out. So baseball's back. Um, it cut into the spring training a lot. I think we're only down to a what three four week spring training. So pretty mm-hmm. short. I think that got started up only a couple weeks ago. Couple days ago. Today's the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of March. Basically, we're going to have the exact same season 162 games back to, I guess, pre COVID for the 2022 season. And the home opener, or uh, the home opener will be April 7th. That's when everything is going to start. So, luckily, that did not get delayed very far. I think it only got pushed like a week, which isn't too bad. Mm hmm. We do have a couple rule changes as we've had every year with the introduction of the pitch 
count or the not the pitch counter, the pitch clock and uh, everything else to try to end quote speed the game up. But you know, there's I think they've been doing studies on that, and I don't know how well that has really worked. But basically, for the 2022 season, we now finally have a um, designated hitter across both the AL and NL. Finally, after I think having even more recently, as uh, I guess everything, I, I think this is even outside of baseball where players have become more vocal about, uh, you know, like things outside of sports and then seeing pitchers that, uh, you know, they obviously don't put time into hitting. Uh, there's one in particular, but he has a couple issues okay. still going on, I think. But uh, anyway, yeah, we finally no longer have to deal with watching the pitcher hit anymore. Thank God, because I don't know of anyone that enjoyed that, at least in the modern era. So that's finally gone. Uh, the postseason has been expanded to 12 teams, so that could make that kind of interesting. Not if you're a Pirates fan, because, you know, why they could, I mean, honestly, to hell with it, they could make it, what, 24 teams, and it still wouldn't matter. So from it's that funny, perspective, it doesn't make a difference. It's funny you say that, because I actually, like, in all seriousness, disagree with that. I think that, I don't think the NL is that strong this year. I think that they're, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think that you're going to see some meaningful games in like August and September. Oh yeah. No, don't get me wrong. They'll go on their um, like two week hot streak where they'll win like, you know, six, seven games in a row. And they look like they're coming along and then the end of July will come down. It'll they'll uh, reach that point and then they'll just fall flat on their face. And that'll be the end of that. And then it'll just be a slow, steady, very painful, uh, I guess, decline and inevitable death until, uh, you know, next season comes around and everyone's all, you know, happy, thinking something's changed, only to realize it's been the same, you know, same torch that gets lit every year, for lack of uh, more appropriate and better terms. I yeah, dis- that's currently where we're at. I do disagree with that. I do think that there is a shot. There is a, there is a world that exists where the Pirates are competitive this year. If, if they bring the young guys now, up. No, no, hang on. Just as a disclaimer before you keep going, you he did state that he was indeed borderline slash insane. Yeah. He did indeed move into what is a uh, – he now he lives by himself, if that means anything. His All parents right. won't come over. It's, it's bad. So don't, keep don't dox me. Don't dox me. Keep in mind what he's saying is coming from a man that has been axed and, you know – Barely seen their light as of recently. So, you know. Okay, but here's my rationale. Okay. Have you seen the moves that some of these teams in the NL Central have been making? There's the, been a lot of moves, yes. The Reds sold off every good asset they had other than uh, than Joey Votto and uh, Luis Castillo, their starting pitcher. So, other than that, the Reds are going to be bad this year. They, they, they looked better. They were improving last year. Something happened. Maybe it's because the Bengals got to the Super Bowl. I don't know what the deal was, but they're they're going to be bad this year. The Cubs, I think, have decreased and uh, well, have uh, gotten worse as well. The Brewers are going to win the division. They're going to win the division, and they are the best team in the division, bar none. The Cardinals are always a tweener. I don't believe in them as much as a lot of other people would do. I think that it is not impossible. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I'm st- I don't even know if they're going to get close to 500, 
but I do think that the Pirates are the third best team in this division. The Reds are not better than the Pirates, especially this is all contingent on the Pirates bringing up their young guys and having them for the full season. I'm talking about O'Neill Cruz, who if you've seen in spring training has been crushing it. Uh, if you've seen Contreras, the young pitcher, if they, he's been killing it in spring training too. If they bring these young guys up and let them play the full season, the Pirates are not the worst team in this division. They're not. Sure. Moving on. Uh, continuing our um, – I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Postseason rules, they finally – well, I mean, not finally. They got rid of the uh, second base, uh, starting a man on second base in extra innings. I think I was only around for, what, three Good. seasons? Yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. gone. That was stupid. That ended. They, they uh, changed up some of the draft rules. But uh, other big changes, which I guess don't really affect uh, – on-field performance, but like the NHL, I don't know, I think the NBA does it too, is there, for the first time, there will be, they are allowed to have advertising on the uniforms and helmets. I didn't know that. Yeah, that starts, you're allowed to, they're allowed to have patches in, uh, on the jerseys, and they're allowed to have, like, decals on the helmets, same thing like the NHL. But I think there's only a couple teams in the NHL that truly have their, uh, their logo on the helmet anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think all the teams now have a sponsorship on the helmet, but the first team to I announce... Know, I thought there was like one or two that don't. Uh, yeah, no, I'm saying most of them have a sponsorship. Yeah. yeah, but there was the first team to announce a jersey advertisement actually happened this past week. I don't know if you saw that, but Columbus, um, I think it's... Uh, God, what was it? I got I to confirm it. Uh, but the Blue Jackets are having a advertisement next season on their jersey. Here is something moving while you're looking at that. Here's something I'm a big fan of that I very much like, and they're kind of pulling from the NHL. So starting in 2023, they're going to go to the schedule to where we play. Not It's not like the NHL where you play home and away against every team in the league, but you're, they're going to play at least one series against every team in the entire league, so NL and AL. I am so glad that has finally come around because – that's just I, I feel like it's so much like common sense. It's so much better. It, I think it's so much more entertaining because there's only so much. It's sort of like the NFL, right? I hate their schedule, but whenever you only play 16 games, I guess it's whatever. But it's like they'll play their in division teams now. what at least at least twice. They play the, their division teams twice every year, yeah. Okay, and then you look at that. How many teams are they playing outside their division? It's what six, something uh, like that. 17 so they're playing 11 games outside of their division because there's 17 oh, really there's 17 games yes but 17 minus 6 is 11 yeah it's all my gut no but that's right i can't i can't math but the blue, anyway the blue jacket sponsor real quick is safe light repair safe light repair safe light repair. Uh, no um anyway there you go yeah so we finally are playing we finally have adopted that schedule thank god that needed to happened a very long time ago can i say there's something there's nothing but hang on hang on before before i there's nothing better than seeing pnc park absolutely filled with yankees fans there's nothing better than it that happens like once every like three years and it is like a freaking home game for the yankees because those people are like religious over there with that team this is a rule that should have been instituted a long time ago and i and here's my reasoning for it the 
baseball, the MLB in baseball has such a hard time marketing their superstars. And this is a well-known fact that the average American, if Mike Trout walked into a room with them, they would have no idea who he is. They'd have no idea other than the fact that there's this jacked dude that walked into the room. They wouldn't know who Mike Trout is. Pirate fans get a chance to see Mike Trout in the old rules once every, what, like three years, four years? That's crazy to me. Now you're introducing superstars to the entire league, to the entire country, plus Toronto, every year. Mike Trout will come to PNC Park. I don't know if it's – you said it's not going to be a home and away. It's going to be one or the other, but they will indeed have to face Mike Trout at least once and every other team. So they'll be facing Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, for example, uh, every year, and then they'll come to PNC Park every other year. So you'll see Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, all the superstars Toronto has. You'll see all the Yankees, the Red Sox, at least once every two years. The Angels with Otani and Trout. Like, you need to have the young fans see these players play in person. The fact that the that the Pirates haven't played uh, like these these teams at PNC Park and haven't had Mike Trout come to town, Shohei Otani are the two biggest ones I can think of right now. Like, it's insane to me how it took this long for them to think, maybe we should bring the entire league to everybody. Maybe everyone should play everybody. That's insane to me. That is crazy. Even in the NFL, I think, at least like every year or two, uh, well, I guess every like two or three years, they end up playing uh, everyone. So like, it's, it's such an easy move. It's so common sense. I don't know. But uh, that's, I, I feel strongly about it. I'm very happy that they're finally doing the right thing. I agree. It, it seems like baseball has always been one of, the, but they're also like more one of the, uh, I guess, more conservative leagues because Definitely. that's just kind of how the game works. Yeah. So it kind of takes them like forever to adopt anything. But uh, I don't know. Like I definitely thought this. We definitely would have seen a schedule like this before we saw like, um, I guess like sponsorship sponsorships on the jerseys and whatnot. I definitely thought we would see a schedule change more than anything. But uh, I don't know. We finally get to see it now, so that's kind of nice. Um, I think that's about it for baseball. Uh, I guess on a side note, I will be at the uh, – it is a Yankees home game, and it is in Tampa, Florida. They are playing the Pirates hey. on the 27th at 1 o'clock. I will indeed be there. It's the final – since it's the final run in Florida, we finally managed to make it work. So Some grapefruit action. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, let me know. What's do you know what stadium that's in? I don't know, to be honest with you, because if you look at the, I, I just bought the tickets online, but I I never actually opened them. I think it's Steinbrenner Field, is what it's called. Is it? I don't know who. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, yeah, it looks like that. But that that'll be a good time. So uh, the official unit report uh, meetup will be at Steinbrenner Field that day. Please go up to Troy and give him a big kiss on the cheek. He loves when people do that. Um, I know you don't have a ton of time here, but I do want to really quick, since we've missed all of this, uh, the NFL has had a lot of shuffling around that has happened. Since we last spoke, Don Roethlisberger played his final season and retired. Uh, The Steelers now have Mitch Trubisky as their starting quarterback, but it seems like they'll try to uh, draft one, either Malik Willis of Liberty University or Kenny Pickett of the University of Pittsburgh, which I'm on team Kenny Pickett because I'm a homer. Uh, The 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost Tom Brady and then right away got him back. So he retired and then unretired. Uh, Deshaun Watson and all his issues got traded from Houston to Cleveland. So Cleveland has a new quarterback. Matt Ryan, uh, I think yesterday, got traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'm definitely missing some. Uh, Russell Wilson went from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. Uh, I can't, I'm missing some, but I can't think. Uh, let's take a look real quick because I feel like an idiot. Um, let me take a peek and see. Marcus Mariota, I think, signed with the Atlanta Falcons today, actually. Um, but, 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 yeah, Devontae Adams, uh, not a quarterback trade, but still a big trade, went from Green Bay to Las Vegas. Aaron Rodgers took the Green Bay Packers through this whole thing of will he, won't he? Then he finally came back, so he is going to be playing. Khalil Mack uh, went from the Chicago Bears to the L.A. Chargers, so their defense is stacked. Dallas Cowboys traded Amari Cooper to Cleveland. Carson Wentz, that was the one I was forgetting, goes from Indianapolis to the Washington Commanders, which, by the way, the last time we had a podcast, they were not called the Washington Commanders, but now they are. Uh, for Correct. better, even for though better, it was leaked worse. like a week before, I think that their name was leaked like a week before because they literally yeah. put up a banner, like they literally put up like a, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's like this gigantic like wall sticker they put on the inside of the arena. But the outside of it's a glass wall that faces the outside. Yeah. So it got leaked like a week before. I don't know how no one thought of that. How that one was like, huh, we just put this gigantic red and they're what, yellow or gold yeah. sticker. And it's like no one's going to see it. But, it was you know. a, it was a news chopper that saw it. One of the uh, local Washington, D.C. news choppers zoomed in and it got a clear video of it saying Washington Commanders, which they were I, I, I still I, they made the right decision getting away from a controversial name, but I still think there are better names than Commanders. I don't think Commanders is a good name for a football team, maybe like a CFL team, but I don't think that's a good one for an NFL team at all. Um, It's like the Cleveland Indians. They have a new name this year. Yeah, they're the Guardians, Um, but yeah, that's a – I feel like uh, I like the the, – you know what? They should switch. The Cleveland Commanders. Yeah. I feel like that has a better ring to it than Cleveland Guardians. You said the uh, Cleveland Commanders. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Interesting. Um, yeah, the Guardians, I think it has some – there's something that relates – It has Cleveland. something to do with, like, a bridge or something. I don't know. I yeah. thought it was kind of stupid, to be honest it's, with you. It, it, it still doesn't click. Like, well, you know how, like – I feel like it's going to take a little bit because every time I go, like, look at scores, it's still like – I'm still like, oh, what is that? Oh, yeah. It yeah. still hasn't, like, set in yet, but, you know. Whatever. I don't I don't love the logo either. I think the old logo obviously had issues, but I don't like the weird-looking G sideways. Well, they got rid of Chief. So uh, – now that he's gone, they just kind of went with the like weird looking C thing. Oh, I thought it was a G. No, now it's a G. Now it's a weird yeah. looking G. I liked the like the C that they had, like the just the cap, the C. I thought that was pretty. You know. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's one of those like neutral logos. We don't love it or hate it, but it's very boring. So that's kind of the part that I don't like. I think Commanders and Guardians are both kind of boring uh, names, but. Uh... Is what it is. I understand. I, I get I get the reason why. Obviously, it, it makes sense. But uh, it's going to take some getting used to. Um, so we covered all, all the hockey news that happened. All the baseball starting back up. Even though you think I'm stupid for thinking the Pirates are good, but whatever. Uh, Agreed. 
Uh, and then all the NFL trades and moves. Uh, oh, yeah. Here's a last question I'll leave you with. Oh, the well, Olympics happened. <laughs> yeah, but no one, no, yeah, no forgot one, about that. Nobody cares. Like, yeah, the Winter Olympics happened. Um, I don't NHL know didn't went. go, so it didn't count. Correct. Um, how do you feel about Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers this season? I don't know, because they also lost Juju, which I don't know if you brought that up. I didn't, but no, yeah, you're right, they did. Yeah, Juju's gone. He's not with the Chiefs. Uh, he just kind of slapped that up on, like, Twitter or something. It was like, you know, put up, like, his goodbye thing. So He was like, what's up, Chiefs He's gone Nation? Now. I really don't know how this is going to work out. It's going to be, if we're being honest, no matter who they throw in there, it is going to be very, very, very strange not seeing Big Ben as the quarterback. Because yeah. I know, at least since I've been alive, and you're probably in the exact same boat, like, whenever someone says Steelers quarterback, like, that is the only name that we associate it with. It's not like Bradshaw, because we're past that era. And I know yeah. some, yeah. Old, like, the older ones do. But, like, for us, it's Ben Roethlisberger. My, like, early, that is just... my earliest memory. Like, I can't remember a time where Ben was in the quarterback, because he started halfway through the 4 season, and I was four. Like Exactly. It's kind of odd. You think I was sitting watching football games while Tommy Maddox was the quarterback in 2003? Like, my brain wasn't thinking. I, I probably sat there and it was like goo goo gaga. You know, I wasn't thinking. Probably. But very. It is very interesting. Uh, we're gonna. It is going that. to be very odd to see some to not see number seven as the quarterback. They have to retire number seven, right? Uh, uh I think they. I think they might. They don't retire numbers very often. The only one I think is they have one out of all the good players they have. Harris, isn't it? No, it's not Harris. Who is it? It's a defense. Uh, who is it? Ernie. Was it Ernie? Oh, they do have a lot of retired numbers. What am I thinking? Oh, unofficially retired. There was only one that's officially retired. I don't remember who. Oh, it's Ernie um, uh, Stuntner. He was a defender. He's number 70 is retired. Other than that, they're all unofficially. Uh, Joe Green. Oh no, Joe Green is officially okay, seventy-five. But they're not going to—they're not going to put number twelve again. That's Bradshaw. They're not going to use that or Harris or Palomalu, any of them. There's so many numbers because there's, there's so many good players that Steelers have had. The only crappy thing is, is like since the teams are so big, you're eventually going to run out of like like I feel like the Penguins that with Dupuy, where it was kind of like an unofficial goodbye. So no one, no one picked up number nine for what five years. Who was the last number nine that we've had? I'm going to have to look that up. I don't know. It may be Dupuis. No, there's someone that has nine now, I thought. Oh, you're right. Rodriguez. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rodriguez. That's what I was going to say. Is like no one played, no one went with number nine for like years. You're right. Yeah. Well, his, I remember his goodbye. That was emotional. That was I was there. You were there whenever they brought him back? He was standing in the corner with his family. Yeah, I was there. The, the only emotional uh, like tribute I was there for was uh, when Kessel came back. That was that was magical. I was there. Um, no, I was there for the Dupuis retirement, and then I was there against the Canadians the day after, or like three days after the Boston Marathon um, bombing. I was there for that. What did they do special for that? They did like the whole place sing the anthem. It was super cool. I mean, it was, don't get me wrong, it was terrible because of like why they were doing it. But, like right. the entire place sang the anthem. Oh, I thought there was. I thought there was like a connection. It was like there, surreal. Like, Montreal. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. 
Um, oh, and uh, since we're talking about special games, I was at the first game back after COVID. I looked at my pictures and I almost forgot about it. The first game, it was with limited attendance. My first, the first game back against Buffalo uh, at PPG Paints. I was at that game and uh, it was cool. It was cool to be back, but we had to wear masks and everything. And they don't, they don't do that anymore. I don't think. But, yeah. But it, you know, it, right. it was good. Magical. Yep. Ready to wrap her up? Yeah. You t- since you, I brought us in with my monologue, you can take us out. Sure. Thanks for tuning in to this bi-yearly uh, episode slash, I don't know. I feel like not even calling it an episode. I think we should start calling them like seasons. Yeah, this was season six. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with it. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Inner Report. Well, you might be back next week. We might be back in six months. Who knows? See you at Christmas. Um, follow us on Twitter at the Inner Report. Follow at Lu- follow at Lucas Wester because you know he's a shameless plug and kind of likes the attention. Um, yep. We know. Uh, if you have any comments or concerns, if it's good feedback. You can leave it at our, uh, you can give us a review on Spotify Pandora. If it's uh, bad feed- feedback, um, put it on someone else's thing where we don't see it. Uh, yeah, write it on yeah, like a post-it kind of all note. I got. Yeah, yeah right. write it on like a post-it note and hang it on your fridge to where at least other people like won't see it. Yeah, but, we, uh, yeah of course. We are anyway, also, thanks for turning. we're also on iTunes podcast. I know because some people do listen on Apple podcast, iTunes, whatever. So got to plug that one too. You're right. You're, are you done? Are you done like shameless plugging? Now I am. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, good. All right. Thank you for thanks for uh, tuning in and listening. Um, to we'll try to do this again. Maybe next week. Maybe months. Honestly, who knows anymore? But uh, it's been fun, and we'll see you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Unit Report. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report.